You're listening to Global Conversations. Good afternoon. My name is Paige, and you're listening to Global Conversations. Today, we're going to be talking about the second part of a two-part series discussing the role of an organization called Signs for Peace, which is a charitable organization dedicated to popular education and research in the fields of peace, sustainability, and justice. Last episode, we talked to Professor Sam Brook, who is the current president, and he walked us through some of the missions and, more specifically, Science for Peace's role in issues to do with climate change and nuclear non-proliferation efforts. However, today we're going to be talking to two of the members of the U of T campus group, which is a Science for Peace affiliated group. The two people we're going to be talking to are both fellow uh, colleagues of mine in first year at the Monk School. We are going to be talking to Sarah Beiruti and Christian Tremontan. Both hold different roles in the club, but I'm really looking forward to some of their interesting opinions on some of the projects that Science for Peace is doing and how perhaps any listeners can get involved uh, in Science for Peace and some of their awesome projects uh, coming up soon. So first off, welcome and thanks for being on Global Conversations today. Hey everybody. Hi. Thank you for being here. Uh, Starting off with the first question I have for you both today is what is your role on Science for Peace at the U of T campus? And what is your background, perhaps, in global security, or maybe explain to listeners why you got involved in the first place? Uh, I'm the president for the Science for Peace campus group, Um, and actually my academic background doesn't have much to do with uh, global security or political science, but I completed a BBA um, at U of T as well. But, however, I grew up in a very political household just um, from my background and uh, just my upbringing, um, which is why I've always had an interest in global security, um, which is why I pursued this program and why I really wanted to be a part of Science for Peace. Absolutely. Thank you. And Christian, could I also ask you similar questions? What is your role on Science for Peace? And what is your background or your background interests in global security and why you decided to get involved? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so I'm a uh, first year MGA, as you mentioned. Um, My background is in political science and history. I went to U of T for that. Um, For security, I'm more interested in the history of security and not so much the theory. Um, So I like looking at ethnic violence. I like looking at... um, contemporary issues in security, North Korea, not necessarily in a theoretical framework, but more in like a more practical framework. Um, I'm more interested in my biggest interest has always been in uh, the Second World War, which I think is a huge um, security uh, dilemma and and issue that has shaped the world that we live in today. Um, I ultimately hope to be a, a professor of World War II history when all is said and done. Um, so yeah, that's my background in security. That's very interesting. Um, And of course, very relevant to today's topic um, with nuclear weapons. I will jump into our next question and that's in regards to the campus group and some of the connection you have with Professor Sandbrook that 
we previously interviewed. So how is the campus group affiliated with Science for Peace and the mission that Professor Sambrook mentioned earlier? Uh, has the same ideals as our parent organization, and we work very closely with them. Um, we support them with their webinars. Um, we also provide information on our social media channels to raise awareness for the important topics um, that they discuss. Um, and we try to communicate that to our best. We try to communicate that to the UFD community. Thank you both. Um, and just like the previous podcast with Professor Sandbrook, I plan to link Science for Peace's social media below and hopefully any listeners curious more about the topics that we're about to dive into or maybe want to get engaged in the committee themselves, they can get more information on Science for Peace there and how to get involved with the committee on the U of T campus. So without further ado, I'd love to jump into our first question. And I know it's a bit of a big one, but I'm curious to ask it regardless. What do you think is the greatest threat to security right now in our world today? Uh, In my opinion, I think that it's definitely climate change. Um, We're already seeing uh, the first climate change refugees in Oceania, where some islands have completely sank. Um, and that, you know, raises the question of where do these people go? And when they do arrive at other islands, it becomes a strain on their resources, but also it becomes a question of are they stateless or are they not? And if they are stateless, then they don't have access to uh, governmental health care or unemployment benefits. Um, so that risks their livelihoods, essentially. And um, specifically, these you know, developing countries, I hate using that term, Um, but these developing countries are the ones that are most vulnerable to the impacts of climate change. And just because we don't see that direct impact and these stories are not widely circulated or popular as as much as they should be, um, which is why I guess the conversation is taking a different um, route. I don't know, but I definitely think it's the most dangerous threat to global affairs today. I agree with Sarah. Um, I think that climate change is the biggest threat to global security today and to global affairs as a whole. Um, I think that when you were having us on, I think a lot of people would say that we think that nuclear weapons are the biggest threat to security. Um, But with nuclear weapons, there's always that factor of fear uh, when someone's going to use them. Whereas climate change is just happening, right? There's not, there's not that person that has to push the button and all that uh, bureaucracy behind it. Climate change is is happening and we're almost at the point of no return. Uh, We're going to be there in five to 10 years. Um, honestly, we, and that's if we go to a zero emissions immediately, that's not going to happen. So our the co- damage that climate change has done is irreversible at this point. Um, whereas nuclear weapons have been used and dropped in, in Japan uh, once in 1945, twice if you, uh, same place, but um, we haven't seen them used since then. So there's always going to be that um, question of, are they going to be used? When are they going to be used? Whereas climate change is just constantly building. Um, so climate change is, is more of this gradual thing that's been building up since uh, the Industrial Revolution, and, and it's not going anywhere anytime soon. And it's imminent, and it's very scary. Thank you both. Uh, Christian, I do want to follow up with your topic of North Korea, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on... I understand Science for Peace discusses a lot about non-proliferation efforts and 
I would love to ask you, since we've brought up North Korea, what role do you think North Korea has on the world stage? And do you see them as a valid threat, uh, more so in terms of nuclear weapons and willingness to strike? Um, Christian, I'd love to hear from you. Um, so I'm going to have a bit of a, a bit of a controversial opinion here. Um, I believe that North Korea is not as big as a threat that others would like to believe that they are. Um, you'll see that when North Korea issues a threat to the United States, they'll be in the news for approximately three days on CNN breaking news, and then they'll just go back to normal and we will not hear about them for another month or two. Now, the reason why I say that North Korea is not a threat is because they know that if they use their nuclear weapons, whether they be locally against Japan or South Korea or intercontinentally against the U.S., they know that they will be met with complete destruction. Um, that will mean the toppling of the Kim regime, uh, the deaths of millions of people and a massive crater in the Korean peninsula, which is quite a scary prospect. Um, I think that they also know that deep down their allies in China and Russia will not be coming to their defense. Um, I think that China and Russia have to weigh the pros and cons of going to nuclear war um, over North Korea's um, angst to release a missile. Um, so I think that with all this in consideration, um, the North Koreans like to use the threat that they have nuclear we weapons, but I don't believe that they'll ever actually use them. And I think we can see that um, especially because we look at the threats that they, they release, and these are explicit threats to use nuclear weapons. Um, most of the time when you're saying an explicit threat to someone, um, I think that the threat is supposed to be the weapon in that case and not so much the weapon itself. Um, I think that they're just trying to scare the populace into trying to, I, I don't know what North Korea wants, to be honest, I'm not in their inner circle, but I think that they, they try to use fear of having nuclear weapons rather than actually utilizing the Thank you. That's a very interesting point. And really, it brings me to my next question, which is, who do you feel like is an actor on the global stage that stands in the way of nuclear disarmament? Which I understand is a mission of the Science for Peace organization. I would love to hear from either of you on what you might think stands prominently in the way of a world one day lacking nuclear weapons? Um, so I think that the actors who are the greatest threats to nuclear disarmament are those countries of the world that have nuclear weapons. And I say that because once you have nuclear weapons, it's very, very hard, unless your, your threats go away, um, to want to get rid of them. We saw that with Kazakhstan and Ukraine, but I feel like those are quite um, inapplicable examples to our current world. That was right after the fall of the Soviet Union. I think we're in a different era now. Yeah, there were other factors that contributed to that. Yeah, for sure. And I think that when you have all these actors now with nuclear weapons, who who's to say to another country, no, you can't have them? right? That's the question about nuclear weapons and security is who's going to stop new countries from, from gaining these weapons. 
Um, obviously, we saw that in Iraq when um, there was a threat of, of Iraq actually having nuclear weapons, the U.S. got involved. But if who's to say what protection is for one country and not for another country? And I think that's a scary thing. Um, so when countries have them, I think they're very scared to give them up. Um, and that makes more countries want them. 100%. Thank you. I have really loved uh, engaging in discussion with you guys surrounding current affairs, climate change, and North rising Korea. actors. What? <laughs> North Korea. North Korea, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so my last question for you both today is you're both on the executive team of Science for Peace. Could I ask a little bit about the rest of the committee, what that looks like, and perhaps what your strategic plans are for the rest of the year, and perhaps how any listeners could get um, engaged in your group? Yeah, of course. So as we navigate this online space, um, our options are quite limited. Um, so what we're doing is we're hosting webinars on climate change starting next semester and kind of how you can contribute um, as individuals. Um, we're also trying to reach a wider online audience. That's really our main goal is just to get as many people um, as possible to learn about this stuff and to recognize how important it is. Um, okay. Um, so our team is comprised of six members and um, you can catch, a, catch us. You can follow us on our Facebook page or on Instagram and hopefully we'll be sharing more um, infographics on uh, these topics that we've discussed today just to give you more of an understanding of why this is important and why we should keep the conversation going. Thank you guys so much for such a great discussion. I am really excited about this new committee on campus, Science for Peace. Thank you guys so much for coming and talking to us today and joining Global Conversations. Thanks Thank for, having you so much us. for having us. That was fun. And that finishes up our two-part series on Science for Peace. I've had the privilege to talk to the president, Professor Sam Brook, and two active members of the U of T campus group, Sarah and Christian. I feel really lucky and I hope listeners have enjoyed this as much as I have. Thank you so much for tuning in to Global Conversations. Have a great day.